Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20 of the Shiny Developer Series. My name is Eric Nance and I'm so happy that you joined us again. And I first want to say thank you all so much for the really positive feedback I've heard from our last episode. And we're going to keep the momentum going with other great guests and other deep dives into all things Shiny um, with the rest of the episodes. And today we have a very awesome interview lined up for you. And I want to frame it with the fact that I think in the Shiny community, in terms of resources around building high quality applications, we are seeing kind of this great kind of collection of new books and tutorials coming out that are hitting many different aspects of Shiny application development. And one of the areas that, in my opinion, has been often neglected the most in this space is creating awesome user experiences with your interfaces. It's not just about the back end, it's about what the user is seeing. And in my day-to-day -day life as a shiny uh, developer author, it is always usually non-statisticians or non-data scientists that are using your application. And you have to think of your audience very clearly as you're prototyping and later enhancing these applications for production usage. Well, my guest today actually has been a previous guest on the Shining Developer Series, but since we did that last episode way near the beginning of this whole endeavor, he has gone on and embarked on a journey to create a brand new freely available book that is tailor-made to creating, well, I'll just say the title of it, Outstanding Shiny Interfaces. So let's not wait any longer. Let's hear my awesome chat with the author of Outstanding Shiny User Interfaces and the author of many of the R interface packages, David Grangen. And one heads up before we get into it, we did have a bit of some technical difficulties. Um, the internet wasn't really kind to us and during the recording. We've done our best to edit those out, um, but certainly I, again, appreciate your support. And um, yeah, let's let's hear my interview with David now. Welcome everybody. We have another exciting edition of the Shiny Developer Series on tap for you. And my guest at this time was actually a previous guest on one of the earlier episodes of the Shiny Developer Series. I am thrilled to welcome back to the show um, the architect of the R interface suite of packages an all-around very talented, shiny developer working in the life sciences industry like me. I'd like to welcome back David Grangen to the Shiny Developer Series. So, David, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Hi, Eric. Hi, everyone. I'm doing very well. Yeah, hopefully there is no echo. Everything is perfect. Yeah, we've had a little bit of troubleshooting earlier, <laughs> but I think we're in good shape now. So, as I kind of alluded to, it, you were on the one of the earlier episodes, and it's been almost two years since that was took place. There's been a lot of great developments in the R interface suite of Shiny packages since that time. And maybe you could tell us a bit or and show us a bit some of the newer features and capabilities that you're most excited about that's happened since then. Yeah, right. There are a lot of things, you're right. Uh, and it's really, really hard to know where to start. 
Uh, I think I will start with the most significant advance I made uh, about the BS4 Dash package. Uh, so, uh, as a reminder, BS4 Dash is a bootstrap for dashboard template uh, for Shiny. If you are familiar with Shiny dashboard, it's the same thing but with a refined design. And with the new BS4 Dash version, now it's 2.0.0, and you still have the development version because actually I have to push it on Chrome. It's not yet on Chrome. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the very last version. And here is um, the work in progress documentation. Um, so I'm going to start a demonstration from my RStudio session directly. And um, so, so that you can see what, what you can expect from, from that new, new version. So what you see at the beginning is a loading screen. And that loading screen is leveraging as a waiter package for, from John Kuhn. Uh, and I, uh, before that, I was, uh, I don't remember what I was using. I think it was a custom SVG uh, loading screen. Uh, I really wanted to, to collaborate more with colleagues. And that's the reason why I decided to include waiter as a loading screen, uh, because also it's way, it, it looks nicer than the previous one. Uh, this is what you get. And um, uh, this is not mandatory. This is an option you can definitely disable. Um, the main difference you'll notice when you start the dashboard here is the dark mode. With the previous version, you had a white mode, like the default one, uh, where you could still change the sidebar. So you could, you could have a dark mode for the sidebar. You could have a white mode for the sidebar. So the main difference is now you have a full dark mode with all components, uh, like the cards and everything. And you can control the dark and light appearance uh, as you want. You have a parameter for this in the header. It's a switch, and you can switch between the light and the dark one. And it uses uh, the thematic package uh, from RStudio just to to, to take into consideration the background for plots. Because plots, you know, they are not CSS. Uh, they are images here. So they are basically, you cannot style them with CSS. That's the reason why we, we have to leverage thematic. Um, there, there are many things uh, I could describe, uh, like there is an improvement on the right sidebar here. So you see this little pin, uh, it means the sidebar doesn't collapse when you click outside. It stays here. And sometimes it's needed, you know, when you, you want to show the content on the right side and you, you don't want it to disappear. But if you click on the pin, and if you click in the middle, in the body, then the, the, the sidebar collapse as expected. So this is a, a new feature that was not here in the previous version. Um, yeah, there, I think there, there was also um, some refinements about um, some, some toggle function that you can programmatically toggle the, the right sidebar with a button. And under the hood, it's calling a function which is called update control bar, uh, like, like the update tab set panel, for instance. Uh, so except that here it's changing the, the control bar visibility. And same thing for, for the left sidebar. 
you can programmatically open and close it. And it also resizes the whole plots in the center. There are like uh, many, many components. Uh, so you still, you, you have the card API, which has been refined. So for, for remove the card, which is actually not really removing, it's just making it disappear from the, the DOM. And you, you can restore that card. There are also, uh, you can toggle the card, so just collapsing the card here. And finally, you, you can maximize that card. And what is interesting here is I have an input listening to the, the state of the card. So I can, I can know at any time if my card is collapsed, if it's maximized, if it's visible, if it's hidden. And based on that, on the server side, I can decide, okay, if the card is maximized, I will show that plot. And if the card is minimized, I will not show the plot anymore. So here it does, I mean, this example is really basic, but you could imagine changing the card layout uh, depending on the situation. Um, a new component here you get is uh, the ribbon. So the ribbon is like a badge. And here you, you get a badge. So, so this is an old component, but the ribbon is a, a component you can put for, for different cards. I would say it's, you, you see it more than the, the, the badge and I, I, I like it better personally. Uh, there, there have been some, some work also on the tab cards. So you see there is a, a brand new design. You can have a full header and also like the, the classic, uh, the classic design you get, uh, the shiny dashboard template. And otherwise you still, uh, I mean, you still have other uh, features like the sortable, uh, sortable capabilities. And I, I think every, everything else is yeah, the same as in the previous version. Uh, there were some, also some updates on, on the alerts. So now you can programmatically show or hide an alert. So if I click on show, there is actually an input which is um, bound to the alert. So when it's visible, it shows a toast. And when it's not visible, it's also uh, the input is false and I can also trigger uh, another action on the server. So there is definitely high level of interactivity because many components have, um, they have an input which is bound. So you, you can yeah, trigger many things. But that was the main idea. And that's only the beginning because there is much more work to be done. Um, imagine you have to, you, you practically have to put an input binding everywhere for, for each relevant component, and it can take uh, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of awesome new features here, and I'll just mention that BS4 Dash has been used in at least two of my biggest production-grade Shiny applications at work, and everybody loves it. It is so much more intuitive to the users than my previous layouts and all these little niceties that you've added, especially the maximizable cards. 
that's been like a huge game changer for interacting with outputs and getting like the major focus on them. It's really been exciting to see. Now, uh, what is much better with the new version is uh, when you come from Shiny Dashboard. Before, there was a gap between Shiny Dashboard and BS4 Dash. The, you had some different functions. But now, in theory, this is what you get from the documentation. I, I added some section how you should move from Shiny Dashboard to, to BS4 Dash. So here you get the Shiny Dashboard example with a dashboard page the sidebar, the body, and here the server parts. And to move to BS4 Dash, the only thing you need to do is to replace the library Shiny Dashboard by library BS4 Dash. And this was not the case in the previous version. You didn't have an exact match just because the underlying HTML template was significantly different. And uh, during the, those past two years, I found ways to, yeah, just to, to try to re-have a one-to-one -one with Shiny Dashboard. Yeah, that's going to make the transition from users from previous Shiny Dashboard to BS4 Dash even that much easier. So when I'm creating a brand new application that wasn't using the previous version, now I can rely on almost like muscle memory of making the old shiny dashboards and just plugging in the new features as as vs4 dash as they come in so it's been nice and i think it's going to make the adoption even greater in the general shiny community for going to vs4 dash this is right on one side when you move from shiny dashboard to vs4 dash i cannot guarantee this is right when you move from BS4 Dash to Shiny Dashboard on the other side. Because if you use some specific functions from BS4 Dash that you don't have in Shiny Dashboard, obviously you don't have uh, the conversion is not possible. But uh, I mean, I don't really see why you should move from a more modern template to an older template. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Uh, I can show you some demonstration of the, of the card API, for instance. Um, so sure. I'm, I'm going to move to our studio directly now. And I, I'm going to take uh, the BS4 dash documentation. Yes, it's not in the, in the previous version, it was called BS4 card, I guess. And now it's box like in Shiny dashboard. So you still have the BS4 card for backward compatibility, but you get uh, the Shiny dashboard corresponding function. Um, yeah, something I didn't mention is um, like a, a nice trick I get from Victor from DreamR is uh, the ability to show uh, the color directly in the help. So here you see for primary, you get um, the blue color and for, for, for all colors, you get the corresponding um, color. Um, and I, I found it really, convenient, especially you don't necessarily know what is primary, if it's gray or if it's green or whatever. Um, this is something new in the BS4 Dash. Very nice. Yeah, I've, I've actually been using that quite a bit in my newer apps as well. So I'm really glad you've added that. Just another one of those usability enhancements that can go a really long way. I'm going to show you the card API. 
So that's uh, the last example. Sure. Okay, so uh, just to briefly describe what this app is doing, uh, you get a basic dashboard and inside that dashboard, you have a box. And in that box, you have a title. You also give it an ID because uh, this is the ID that will be recovered on the server side. The main difference here with a classic shiny input, it's that input ID, it's ID. Uh, it's just because a box is not really like a user input, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's not a slider input, right? Uh, a box is something different. So that's uh, a convention I use in all the new templates I'm making. I use ID for like I call secondary inputs and uh, input ID for really user inputs. So that's something important to, to consider. Um, you, you still get the, the status which is uh, the color and uh, you you have a background also you can choose a gradient option or for the background you can make it collapsible usable maximizable and inside you get a plot so that's a very basic stuff and you get on top of that you have some um, action buttons one to toggle the box another one to remove the box a third one to restore the box so as I explained before, it's not really removing the box, it's really uh, hiding the box. And then you get, you have two buttons, uh, two extra buttons, one to update the box and another one to also update the box, but with new parameters. So let me explain the last part. Mm -hmm. If I move on the server side, um, so here it's quite obvious, you get uh, the plot rendering. And then you can, uh, what you can do is to render uh, like something I call box state and the box state will be displayed in the title. It will just display uh, what is the current state of the box. And I say um, here, I recover uh, the input value with input dollar my box. So that's the ID I gave here. And it's a, it's not a simple input, it's a composite input. It's a list of different fields, like a, a JSON, right? And I, I get the collapsed field. And I say, if uh, the box is collapsed, if that value is true, then the state is collapsed, and otherwise it's uncollapsed. And you could imagine doing that for uh, maximized, there is also a maximized field, uh, there is a hidden field also, and here you get an observe event listening to the toggle box button. So if I click on that button, I will call the update box function, which takes the ID of the box and the action I specify it's toggle. I have multiple choices for the action. I can have toggle, remove, restore. And the last one is uh, the most interesting. It's a, um, update so last choice the first choice is update and when you, you when you specify updates you have an extra field which is called options and options will redefine your box properties so you can redefine a new title uh, so here it's a, a h2 tag with a badge inside uh, i change the status so it was uh, i don't remember it was danger and now it will be warning. 
I can put the solid header, I can change the width, which is six by default. And now I put it to 12, so it will take the full width. Uh, I decide not to put any background. I change the height also, and I make, I, I don't want to make it closable anymore. And you could imagine that if I, I, I can put any other configuration I want, I can chain uh, those update actions. So let me, let, let me run this. Okay, um, <clears throat> so I must admit the color choice is not really um, the best one. <laughs> but, yeah, could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just really realizing that right now. Uh, so if I am toggling the box, uh, you see that the state is adequately uh, displayed, it's collapsed. If I click on toggle, then it's uncollapsed. And this is something uh, that you can dynamically uh, create because of the input you get on the server side. Um, so let me let me show you the updates, the first one. So if you remember, when I will click on update, I will change the title. There will be a badge inside. Mm -hmm. I won't have background. I don't remember about the color. Uh, I guess, I think it won't be closable. Um, yeah, let, just let's click here. <laughs> and you, you get, uh, yeah, the, the card with the new title. Um, obviously, I, I change the height also. I change the width. Um, it's not closable anymore. And wh what is also nice, it's using an observe event. It's using an update function, so there is no lag. Uh, practically you know, like everything is done in the JavaScript side. This nice. is uh, JavaScript code I wrote. And you don't have that delay, uh, what you, you, tr you traditionally have when you use a render UI. Uh, if, you, if you know about the render UI, it's very convenient because you don't have to worry about uh, binding new inputs. You don't have to worry about including dependencies at runtime, mm -hmm. uh, which were not here at the beginning of the app when you launch the app. You don't have to worry about that, but the price to pay is to have a potentially laggy app when you have many, many interactivity inside. Um, and I, I think if you look back to other um, Shiny developer series talks, like Hadley Wickham, like Colin Fay, everyone says that you should really use uh, the, if you can use the update function as much as you can, uh, it's it's really best practice. So that's also uh, one big step forward for BS4Dash where I started to include those functions to, to move away from the render UI. Yeah, that's an excellent new uh, functionality. And it was something that in my early days of Shiny development, I admit I used render UI and UI output way too much. It was like a safety crutch almost. Like it, it just did what I wanted at whatever cost of performance. But now that after reading, a, there was a, a section in the engineering production Shiny Apps book that Colin's writing, where he did advocate the use of update functions as much as you can, because then you do that on the client side and it's typically more responsive. So the fact that you've got to wrap that into your own update functions for for the boxes and other elements, that means I can stay with the best practices of updating my apps kind of in, in, in the most seamless way possible in certain UI elements. So I'm really, really excited to see that demonstrated here. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something uh, to optimize your application. What you what you want in production. Yeah. Yes, and there's lots of tips around that, and that's kind of a nice segue into some of the other things I want to talk to you about. That um, have definitely been a big development since the last time we got together, and that is that you are now the author of a brand new book um, that's in in progress. It is called Outstanding User Interfaces with Shiny. So I'd love to hear kind of the backstory on how that that book came about. It's a, it's a quite long story. Uh, <laughs> it's, everything started uh, more than two years ago. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was uh, chatting with Colin uh, and Christoph, uh, so Christoph Dervieux. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, we were talking together about uh, a possible book because we, uh, I remember at that time, there was no mastering shiny. It was not yet revealed by, by Joey Chang. And we were yeah talking about a possible project uh, like shiny in production, but it was not really about you only user interfaces. It was uh, really about uh, everything like, um, uh, how you develop production ready shiny apps. Uh, and then for, for some reason, I had to, to move away from that project a bit. And in the meantime, there was also mastering shiny that came up uh, with Joy Chain. And I, 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 I started to, to write something, but yeah, I stopped just to, to see the content of that book of the mastering shiny. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Colin, uh, he wrote um, with the Finkar team, they wrote the, the engineering production shiny grade, um, which is covering uh, really about uh, how you can make your, your app production ready, so how you can use a Golem package. Um, and uh, that's where I decided to focus on the interface part and uh, how your, your app is looking. Uh, I also wanted to share some experience uh, how you can, you, you start from an HTML template you find in the wild, you find something um, which you want to, to incorporate into Shiny, but you don't necessarily know how, where, where to start. So this Story of my life as a Shiny developer, I see all these great utilities out there and I'm almost like a deer in headlights if no one else wrote a package for it yet. <laughs> <laughs> There is there is already the documentation. If you take the shiny documentation, you you get uh, how to create an input binding. You know how to create an output binding. Mm -hmm. It's there. Uh, but it's it's if you look at what, what is in the documentation, it's it's quite basic, right? You 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 see how to implement a, an action button, for instance. Sure. And if you want to, if you take the shiny mobile example where you have a completely different framework, which is not based on Bootstrap. It's way more complex. Uh, and I, I wanted to, to share that experience. And there is also um, a selfish purpose because uh, I, I have quite bad memory. And I, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> in a five lot year, like maybe, me too. Yes. <laughs> maybe in five years, I will not remember how I did that because uh, I'll be moving to other technologies. And this is what what happens in practice. I'm I'm doing uh, many other things than shiny, and uh, yeah, uh, at some point, you know, you it's good to have a, a trace 
like a cookbook where you can uh, you you come back two years later and you remember how you you did that uh, you get the process yeah and that and yeah you know, like you said it's a for future you as much as for people like me i mean it, it is a great way to have one place to document all these learnings that you've had over the years and even in your early stages of our interface i knew you you've developed a lot of skills on user interface best practices and this is filling such an unmet need in the community that we have books about general best practices now but nothing that attacks this user experience user interface level that we're addressing here and there's a lot of great sections in this book i really like the progression of how you've um structured all this and the first sections kind of talk about what's happening under the shiny hood so to speak and building up like the html with packages like html tools and in your mind what role does having proficiency in things like html tools or other kind of the underpinnings um, that helps you be able to create customized widgets and interfaces better than you might have known previously uh, I learned a lot when I wrote the book. Um, it's 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 a really complex experience, a rewarding experience because I, I made a lot of mistakes, maybe all possible mistakes. Uh, and yeah, this is by doing mistakes that you learn. And basically, um, the, when I when I started the book, uh, uh, I started to put some things, but it was not really well organized. Mm. Uh, there were some ideas here and there. And I remember when there was a preliminary review, uh, people just told me, yeah, the book looks great, but you know, it's not really well organized. And I spent more than one year to try to better organize the book uh, progressively. So as you mentioned, the first part is really uh, just an introduction to show what is the link between Shiny and the web languages, uh, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Uh, what are the differences also, uh, what what Shiny is doing and what is different from the classic web development approach. Um, yeah, well, what is the role of HTML tool? Uh, how, how can you leverage that package to really customize uh, tags and everything to make your Shiny apps uh, better? Um, because yeah, if you take, uh, there is no official documentation for HTML tools. You don't have right. like, a package or a website, uh, and it's an extremely useful package. And obviously, it only targets developers. You know, it doesn't target uh, end users. But um, yeah, that that um, like a, a good opportunity to to create that kind of documentation. Um, and uh, yeah, I give also some explanation about uh, what are the dependency behind Shiny, like the bootstrap dependencies, mm -hmm. uh, jQuery, everything. Um, and also um, some web application concept, like I compare a, a web application which, where, where you have HTML, JavaScript, CSS, and the Shiny app. And I, I try to, to see what are the differences and everything. So um, the second part is about uh, styling, uh, it's about CSS and SAS. Um, so I start with a CSS introduction and then I move to SAS because one of the problems with CSS, 
uh, I'll be honest, I don't really like CSS because <laughs> I like uh, beautiful code. I like when it's well organized. Yes. And I like programming languages. And uh, that's why I like SAS because it helps uh, to better organize the code to avoid repeating yourself. So to fo follow the dry programming concepts. Um, you can do loops in SAS. Um, so it's it's much more like you would do uh, with a classic programming language like uh, JavaScript. Um, and then, yeah, I give some application on packages developed on top of SAS, uh, particularly BSLib, which was originally called BootstrapLib. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> what's funny is I had to, to change the name. Uh, it was originally called BootstrapLib and then BSLib. Um, and also the fresh package. So these yes. are two packages uh, using SAS. Uh, and that's that's really amazing what you can get from um, with a fresh package. Uh, you can you you can create uh, like here um, a dark dashboard template. Yes. Uh, with just those lines of code here, uh, with twenty lines of code, you get a dark template. Uh, you can have like a cyberpunk template. I don't really recommend, but uh, for production, <laughs> I mean for artistic, <laughs> for artistic purposes, you know, it could it could make the job. And obviously, the BSLib. Uh, yeah, I, I had a. I remember I had a meeting with Carson and with Joe at the very beginning of the package. And, mm. Uh, they were meeting uh, shiny developers to get some some idea of what needs to be done uh, on the bootstrap side yes. what's missing uh, and now that's that's cool they spent a lot of time to came to come up with a generalized solution that can cover bootstrap 4 but also the upcoming bootstrap 5 so now if you if you look at what happens on github they are covering bootstrap 5 because bootstrap 5 is already there Mm, true. Yep. And um, I'll just I'm, mention back to the fresh package a second. I was able to use that in some of the apps I've made just in my spare time, just kind of learning more about styling with, with like you said, SAS and optimizing my CSS code. But I was able to turn a fun little dashboard I made that's being used as like a visualization of racing league data from like this video game that i've been playing with friends online every weekend previously and i was able to grab metrics from it but i styled it to look just like the game and fresh just made it look so e made it so easy with a custom font the custom colors it's really putting a lot more power into our hands to style these to not look like every ever single template out there so i'm, I'm certainly appreciative of what that's offering to us yeah, that's um, on, on one side you have BSLib, which is really uh, about like the shiny templates. Yes. And on the other hand, you have Fresh, which is covering shiny dashboard, BS4 dash. Because unfortunately, right now you you cannot use BSLib with BS4 dash, for instance. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, good that so we have really, choice here. <laughs> there, there, there is a lot of choice. Um, yeah, this is what is also interesting in our community. You get a lot of uh, collaboration, uh, great packages in the wild. Um, I, I just, uh, like in a few minutes, I was able to to create like a Windows, uh, very old team with BSLib. And I found it really, really fun. You know, uh, it's 
super easy. It's really intuitive how you can do that. Um, yeah. Can you imagine be, writing something like that with just raw CSS? Like I, it would take me a week to do it probably. And just looking up a bunch of resources online, but with, with what fresh and the underpinnings of, of SCSS are giving you, you're able to crank out variables and have it propagate through the rest of the styling. It, when you put that tweet out, I was like, I wonder how much time you spent on this. But if you're using frameworks like this, it, like you said, it, it's a lot more intuitive now. Yeah, you, you import. Uh, I'm basically importing a CSS team I found uh, in the JS Deliver website. Great. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just customizing some colors and I'm changing other variables and yeah, that's it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to be playing with that a little more in my apps, but I could see uses of this not only to make something look fun and, and unique, but you can really enhance the UX with your work and production apps too to make it fit like maybe a corporate template or something like that. You can style that a lot easier here. And ironically, as we're recording this, we're even seeing the R Markdown package itself adopt the frameworks of like SAS to to make CSS easier and just plain old R Markdown. So it's really starting to take a foothold in a lot of the styling kind of frameworks in the R community. So it's definitely an exciting time for that, for sure. Yeah, this is, you're right. Well, this is what we do at Novartis for hmm. creating, like for at Novartis, we have a custom BS4 dash template, which is nice. using the Novartis colors mm -hmm. and we use SAS. We, we just take the, the admin LT CSS, which is um, the template um, powering BS4 dash. And we, we modify variables with SAS and we generate a new CSS file and that's it. That's just it. It takes uh, not even ten seconds. <laughs> well, that's a great learning for me to take to my work as well, because we have apps that look quite variable at, at my company, and if we have a more common set of standards and get them up running quickly and have it fit like other corporate structures, it just makes the uptake even easier. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then the 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 book even floors me in another way too, is that as you progress further, you walk us through some great case studies of creating like a custom dashboard template, much like in the spirit of say BS4 Dash or others, and even the tooling that you've made to power what you referenced earlier, Shiny Mobile. Um, I guess uh, first you could give our listeners an overview of what that's about, but also maybe you could expand upon some of the challenges that you've you've uh, wanted to demystify in the process of creating these powerful packages that wrap template frameworks, kind of what was your goal in, in illustrating with those use cases? So the, the first challenge is um, I, I needed to add a JavaScript part before uh, because all those templates, they rely, they heavily rely on JavaScript and sure. they need to be, to have like, a bit better, uh, not basic understanding, but slightly better. Uh, not to be an expert, but you, you need to know some basic knowledge, uh, especially jQuery. Yes. So that, that's uh, the third part of the book, uh, JavaScript and Shiny. And I um, yeah, I explain how R and JS communicate, uh, how it's, it's, it's made possible. And there is a, a chapter about uh, HTTP UV. 
which is uh, the package that makes it possible. Uh, so just basically, HTTP UV uh, allows to to create a WebSocket connection between the client, the server, which is uh, defined from the R side, mm -hmm. and the client, which is on the JavaScript side. Uh, so you have to understand in practice, you may have any number of clients. Each time there is a new user connecting to the application, that's a new client WebSocket that is connected to the server. Um, so I explain everything in that chapter, how R and JavaScript communicate. And there is even uh, one exercise where uh, I show how you can uh, control R from the JS side and inversely without uh, touching Chani, really only about HTTP UV. Um, yeah, HTTP UV doesn't have documentation like package done also. So uh, <laughs> I found it uh, interesting to yeah, to try better understand what, what is under the hood. Very it's cool. definitely, if you don't master that part, that will not prevent you from making custom templates. Okay. But that's nice to know. Uh, here, what's really the take home message is uh, the Shani input system, mm. how, how it works. Uh, how here you have like uh, the Shani widget um, knob input. And on the right side, you have um, Shiny Mobile input, which is a smart select. It's like a select input with enhanced capabilities. Mm -hmm. And in this chapter, I explain uh, how you bind inputs and how they are considered in the Shiny system, and how the update function works, and how, how everything works under the hood. It would take uh, too much time today to explain everything. Sure. But the, the reason why <laughs> I invite uh, everyone interested to, to, to have a look at the book, but yes, uh, I, I, I took a lot of screenshots, you know, uh, using the, the JavaScript console from the developers tools uh, and show how you can debug your, your binding step by step. So it's really binding, developing the binding step by step and to, to really understand how it works. I'll start with a very simple binding to really do more sophisticated tasks. And that's, uh, that's what I'm, I'm doing uh, here below. I'm talking about uh, what I showed, you know, the update function from the box mm -hmm. uh, in the S4Dash. So I explain a bit how it works under the hood. Yeah, this is, I love having deep dives like this because sometimes you'll see like some tutorials here and there, a little bit about input method, but you're taking it literally from the ground up. And so that we can really see not just the code to do it, but what is the mechanisms that are, that are being updated here? What is under this shiny hood that to me has been pretty mysterious until somewhat more recently when I've learned from you, I've learned from Colin and and um and John Cohen about some of the things that are underpinning the JavaScript behind Shiny, and this really kind of takes it home. And yeah, I will, definitely the audience watching this, this book yeah, has so much great content here. We can't possibly do it justice in in this episode, but this chapter alone is is worth the price of admission, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a lot of details for for everyone here. It's a diagram showing what happens. Uh, to bind shiny inputs. 
So it's definitely really complex. I try to, to put the more things possible. Uh, but if you want to get like a, a deeper understanding, that's definitely possible. Um, yeah. So you, you mentioned, um, yeah, the, the last thing here I want to I wanna mention is uh, there is a chapter how you can move away from the render UI. Oh, yes. Pat pattern, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, by managing custom handlers uh, with, um, so, so they are called custom handlers. And uh, I give uh, a lot of examples. And also, like, I give the, like the bad example. I show the bad example at the beginning with a render UI. I show why it's not working, and then I propose some alternatives uh, by explaining uh, like mechanisms. And I finish by proposing to create a chat, a chat system with uh, the Shiny Dashboard Plus package. Nice. Yeah, you you leverage uh, basically the it's a send custom message uh, function mm -hmm. uh, on the on the shiny side and on the JavaScript side you have the you have the the other part uh, the add custom message handler. So this is already described in the shiny documentation, but here it's just. A, little more complex example with uh, example how you can uh, imagine that in your chat you want to include a, a new input for instance right so you want to bind the, you need to bind that input otherwise reactivity is lost uh, so i explain here how you could render dependencies at runtime how you need to unbind existing input and how you bind uh, everything so that uh, at the end of the day your system, your chat system works. And you, this is what you get at the end. You get uh, a chat with with something inside. So obviously here it might be a bit extreme to put uh, a plot input in a chat, but <laughs> that's, that's the idea, right? Uh, you, Why you not? Imagine, <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine um, many more different use cases. Yeah, it was certainly as I read through that the first time, a lot of wheels were turning in my head of ways that you could extend that, those concepts to other areas. And so, like I said, we'll have, we're inviting all the, the, the viewers and listeners out there to definitely check this book out in its entirety. There's just so much that we haven't even gotten to yet. And who knows, we may even have you back on to go over the rest of the book in the future. Um, well, I wanted to kind of, we've, we've had some great advice from you already, but maybe as we're closing up here, if you could share, now that you've kind of been working in a very high stake role, making a lot of production tools based around Shiny and R in general, say maybe giving our, our viewers some advice on tips for maybe balancing the priority of user experience with making sure the back end of your application is performing as expected. Because I know in the past, sometimes I let UX kind of take a back seat to just like getting it done, so to speak. So in your mind, what, how have you been balancing those kind of uh, trade-offs there? Um, yeah, that's a, a complex question. It is, um, yes. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, you have many, many answers in the um, engineering shiny book uh, from mm -hmm. uh, the Pinkar team. Uh, what you shouldn't do is really start developing your application. 
uh, immediately without uh, having a plan, without uh, knowing uh, what, what is uh, what, what you want, like what the UI will look like. Uh, you should plan everything before, uh, way before starting to code. Um, so uh, what I would do is really to make sure I, I really optimize uh, the backend. Uh, I want to have, uh, I don't want to, to, to start with Shiny first because it adds reactivity and it's not easy to debug. Uh, I want to, to make sure that my, my code works uh, outside. So this is what I would start with first. Um, I would optimize that part um, as much as I can. Obviously, it depends on uh, your knowledge of R. It depends, uh, sure. you know. But if you are working in a team, that's also a good opportunity to collaborate and to, to get the best of everyone. Um, yes. So I, I know at Novartis, in our team, we have um, People that are really excellent uh, on the backend side, they mm -hmm. are uh, in the database side, uh, they, they are coding in Java. And, um, you have web developers uh, a bit like me, so we are uh, really um, developing tools, but not only shiny tools, uh, JavaScript tools. Mm -hmm. uh, you have statisticians, uh, uh, you have people that really know about algorithms. So that's, that's really a team working together. Um, so once you have the backend, you, you know uh, you have the code, um, it's, it's a good um, time to think about the UI, how it will look like. And what we, we do now, it's also, <laughs> it's also there in the engineering shiny book, it's wireframing. Uh, so you, you take yes. a paper, you take a pen, um, and uh, Actually, uh, I, I still I, I'm quite old school on that side. <laughs> I still need to have a pen on a paper when I start something on a project. I don't manage to take notes on my computer. Um, but the same thing when I when I start an interface, I need to to draw it. Um, and it's it's a mistake to try to if you take the BS4 dash template, you say, oh yeah, I'm gonna use everything I can use. Like I'm gonna take a popover, I'm gonna take tooltip, I'm right. gonna put the control bar, the right sidebar, I will put a timeline in a box. And it's a mistake to try to reuse all components and make a very fancy app uh, because you should think at the end user what they need. They need to have something which is doing the job. And that's not necessarily something which is complex to use. Yeah, uh, that's that's a mistake we often use. We we want to show what we are able to produce. We want to do our best to produce right. a nicest tool, but nicest doesn't mean more efficient. Uh, um, in production, usually you want the job to be done. Uh, and yeah, that, that's that's uh, the thing I would I would suggest. So you, you, you definitely want to use something nice, uh, like a nice template, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily BS4 Dash, but if you look at Epsilon, um, they, they released the Shiny Fluent package, which is using the Microsoft Fluent UI. Yes. It's really looking nice. Uh, and you, can, you could definitely use uh, templates like this uh, to, yeah, to to reflect to refresh your your template base. 
Yeah, it's it's really getting into like what is your application meant to do, and putting yourselves in the in the position of the user of the app, and you know sometimes the old the old school methods work well if you sketch it out effectively and get buy in from your customers or your clients um, before you dive deep into coding and thinking that I'm going to use like the the glitzy feature of BS4 Dash or the other templates just for the sake of using it. But if you're using it with a purpose, then it just makes it that much, that much better in the end. And I've been on the other side of that. I've got, I got, you know, might say star eyed by seeing all the cool stuff I can do, but it doesn't mean jack squat if you don't really meet the needs of your customers for it. So you got to use it responsibly, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate that advice. And I'm starting to use that a lot more as I start scaling out ambitious projects that are having shiny as a run into that. So yeah, certainly I think our viewers will be very appreciative of that, of that advice. Um, so it's been, it's been loads of fun talking with you again, David, and I'm, I'm fortunate we get to collaborate even in other venues since we're in the same industry. We've all are interested in seeing shiny and R take more of a foothold in life sciences. So it's great to have ideas to bounce off of you with that too. Um, if our viewers want to get a hold of you or see what you're up to, what are the best ways for them to reach you? Well, oh, so the best way is probably Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not really active right now. Uh, I have like a kind of break because I, I submitted the book for review uh, three weeks ago. Nice. And now I just need to relax <laughs> that's a well-deserved really relaxation yes <laughs> i underestimated uh, the challenge that was really intense um, <laughs> i heard similar but, things from colin as well it's, it's an ambitious undertaking <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely um yeah you learn so much but it also takes a lot it's a lot of efforts yeah. yes yes uh, oh, great you you can also reach me on github uh, that's that's definitely the best the best way to reach me if, if someone has any question it's better to to put it on github on the like ps4 dash uh, issue page rather than send me a, a private mail because I, I could receive like 50 or more mail per day um, it's really frustrating not to be able to answer everything i know <laughs> but, uh, yeah we have to make choices. <laughs> totally understand. I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And it's actually in the evening where you are. And um, certainly, you're always welcome back to share your learnings and insights of our audience anytime. So thank you so much, David. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, everyone. All right, everybody. Um, we'll be back after this. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy that episode. And again, my apologies for the technical difficulties we had during parts of that. But I know I was fascinated by hearing David's thought process in the major areas that he's covering in the book and kind of the lessons he's learned along the way that informed a, a lot of the content. And I know I'll be one of the first to get the printed copy, but I have been reading that online version ever since he announce that draft and it's already helped me immensely in my journey of creating not just applications that do a great backend um, framework, but they're actually easy to use and intuitive for the users that I'm authoring these applications for.
Well, as always, um, if you want to be in touch with when new episodes come out, certainly the best way to do that is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And that's youtube.com slash shiny developer series. Um, links will always be available at each episode post with the resources that we mentioned in our conversation. And I am also um, starting some of my live streaming of Shiny Application Development. You can find previous recordings for that on the YouTube channel as well. And I'm also going to be experimenting down the road with some live streaming actually on the Twitch platform and then cross-posting the recordings of that to YouTube. I haven't fully decided how I'm going to do that, but I did an experiment with just a general introduction to R um, about a week or so ago. And I got a lot of great feedback during that session. So I'll be experimenting with things. But again, all the Shiny related content from the Shiny Developer Series will always be on the YouTube channel for you to find. Um, the best way to get a hold of me would be either a shout out on Twitter. My handle is at the RCast. Also, feel free to use the contact application on the home site of shinydevseries.com. And we are really excited with the next round of guests that we have, both from those on the Shiny developer team, as well as some great external, uh, from the external community. I've been doing some really awesome things with Shiny lately. You may, if you've been following my Twitter account, you might know I'm trying to line up a couple of them. And I, I think we'll have some good stuff for that going forward. So until next time, yep. Thank you for watching and we hope to see you again soon. Bye everybody.